It's the Pete Primo Show, and welcome to episode 122. I hope your Memorial Day was wonderful. We are here with Darlene today, and she is a sales expert who's going to help us sell with more confidence. Before I get to Darlene, let me pay the bills really quickly. If you haven't bought my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? 101 Tips for Furniture and Mattress Store Owners to sell another million dollars or more this year. And I would like to thank all my friends at the Mattress Industry Network Group um, for their continued support, and specifically Steve Hauk. Uh, We appreciate everything you do for our show, and we appreciate everything you do for the industry. If you want to learn how to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry, join our free group right away. It's We are open to everybody, whether you're a manufacturer, you're a retailer, you're welcome to join our group. It's absolutely free. Tell them Pete sent you and you'll get absolutely nothing but a pat on the back, back from me. Scan that code right there that my handy dandy uh, producer, uh, Chris Stone, put up for us. Scan that and go to the group and please join the group without further to do. Welcome, Darlene. I hope your Memorial Day was good. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you so much, Pete. I, uh, I'm i a little bit jealous. I have a sneaking suspicion yours was a little better than mine since I'm in Ohio and you're in Florida. Yeah, well, we always have that nice, hot, sunny weather, although the raining season is starting. But if you get it in the morning, you're good to go. So one of the first things that happened uh, during economic times that are a bit more uncertain than in boom times is sometimes our confidence as salespeople can slide a little bit. And, you know, Darlene, with your experience in both B2B manufacturing and retail, um, if, if you were coaching an RSA, a sales pro who works the retail floor, and maybe give him or her a couple helpful tips uh, to keep themselves ready for when that door swing does happen and they're ready to be on top of their game. Yeah, well, I have been in the business long enough to see all those economic up, down, and everywhere in between, right? So the the one thing that I would say is you have to stay the course. Um, there's nothing more defeating than having just one or two you know customers come into your store and then you start to feel that desperation you have numbers to hit you want to move product but that really that energy greets the client it greets that person walking through the door so really um having a mindset of that you're going to have a positive interaction share what it is and leave that customer with a good feeling, regardless if they buy or not, really sets the stage for not having that customer getting that icky feeling or that high-pressured feeling. Mm, That's huge. Uh, One of the things that retail consumers in boom times or not so boom times complain about is the fact that sometimes they do feel pressure they feel one of two things. They feel pressure and they get that icky feeling that you described, or they get complete apathy and the salesperson doesn't seem to care about them, ask them good questions or engage them in a positive and meaningful way. And, you know, this mindset thing is huge. And, you know, it's more than just looking in the mirror and smiling and going, I'm positive. You know, there, there's a lot more to it. Can we dig in just a little bit and maybe kind of go back in your mind, Darlene, because you, you've been an overachiever your whole life. And there's got to be some things that you did that other people didn't do when things weren't necessarily, as you said before, you've been through the boom times and you've been through the not so boom times and, and, and here you are today and you're, you know, you're running your own business. You're doing a lot of really positive things. And what were the, some of the things that you did, uh, to help you through those 
those times when it wasn't as positive as you would have liked it, but you were able to maintain your positivity. Yeah. So I, you know, I haven't, hadn't really defined what it was until probably the past couple of years. It was so natural to me and so innate that I really didn't put a label on it or see that it was anything different. This is just how I operated. Um, I say I'm an empathetic closer. I put myself in other people's shoes. I know how I like to be treated. I know how I like to be sold to. And I've always operated from that stance um, of really knowing what the client is looking for, understanding and not trying to oversell them, but to truly get them the best deal, the best um, option for them, service, whatever it was in my career. So knowing your client, knowing knowing your product and having confidence in your product, that's probably first and foremost, because if you're not a believer in what you're selling, you will never, I don't believe most people are that good of an actor to be able to portray that what they're selling is good if they don't believe in it. So when you believe in your product or your service, that creates passion. And just exactly what you were saying, like, People don't want to be oversold, but apathy is a horrible trait too. So if you're not, if you're on the fence about your own product or you could care less, that is going to project onto the client. So being passionate, understanding your, your client and understanding your product is really a good combination and leading with empathy to really listen to what the person needs. That is so good. Um, and it's funny that it's so natural to you. Uh, but we really do sell from our couple belief. And it's not just our couple belief in our product. It's our cup of belief in ourself, right? You know how you want to be treated and you treat your customers that way. That in my simple P Primo sales book, that's just called being a good human being, right? Mm -hmm. But you take it for granted because you probably grew up in a way that that was just the expectation for your behavior. And you're naturally a person who treats people well. And I love this word that you use. And I think it's so important. And we as salespeople, we, sometimes we forget about it. And that no matter how hyped up you get about your service or your product, don't ever forget this. They're buying you first and foremost, and they're buying a product and or a service secondarily. They have to buy you. They're buying your energy and your passion. And you can't have passion and you can't have energy unless you're confident in what you are selling. You have to put the time in to fundamentally know what it is what the benefits are, what the positive outcomes for your consumer's uh, life in retail and in business to business. How are you going to make that business owner's life easier and more profitable? So you said so much there. And I just wanted to unpack that little piece on passion because I think you, you I, and a lot of people almost take it for granted. Um, and you know, when confidence might be sliding, it's never a bad idea to brush up on the basics. It's never a bad idea to, uh, reach out to a sales rep that's visit in the store and bone up on your knowledge on his or her product. Uh, it's never a bad idea to pick up a book on selling. Even if you think you know it all, because no matter who you are, I've been doing this for 41 years. I still read sales books by people who are half my age, who have sold less than probably an eighth of what I've sold. And I can still learn one or two new things. And one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I'm just curious if this is your experience too, Darlene, is the very best of the best salespeople are learners. They 
are constantly trying to improve, whether it's listening to a podcast, reading a book, or just picking uh, a coworker's brain. What say you, Darlene? I think that is a hundred percent accurate. And you said so many, excuse me, you said so many great things in that. First of all, in slow times, I always say sharpen your axe, sharpen Mm -hmm. your tools while you have that downtime. There is no downtime that should be wasted. Be more prepared. We're in a time right now where buyers are so educated that I am sure they're going into stores knowing more than some of the salespeople do about the product and there's the internet and there's all different reviews and and everything like that. So you have to be on top of your game. I love what you said about learning from people that are younger too. I don't think just like when I was a 20-something-year-old selling, I did have a lot of skill set that was just natural to me that nobody taught me per se. So there's people down the line that I'm going to be able to learn from that maybe have a year or two or just new, but they have this brilliant, innovative way to look at things. And that keeps the excitement is being able to learn and grow because the the economy, the society, your clients are always growing and changing. It's yes, those cores are true, but you can always put another tool in your toolkit. Mm, that's so good. You can always put another tool in your toolkit. That is so good, darling. You know, you're in Florida and I'm in Cleveland and I can feel your energy. I mean, it's coming right through it. And I could just imagine if we were in the process of, of engaging in a sale, I, it would be very tough for me not to buy whatever it is that you're selling. And I think we have to always keep that in mind. And I, just one thing I want to unpack just a little bit because it's so good. Sharpen your axe. Sharpen your axe. And what is, you know, what does that entail? Well, your knowledge of your product, your knowledge of your service. If you are a retail salesperson, your knowledge of your inventory, what can you deliver quick and what takes more time? Uh, your knowledge of your policies and your procedures. What do you do and what don't you do? And how do you set up realistic expectations so that the customer is happy happier in two weeks than they were the day they purchased because you completed every step the way you were supposed to. So it's not just about product, guys and gals. I want you to get that. It's your policies, your procedures, your credit policies. What financing do you have available? In uncertain times, that could become the one of the biggest factors in a sale. But Darlene, thank you for bringing this up. It's so big. It's about the internet. Don't underestimate it. And please, please, please write this down. Stop what you're doing if you work on a sales floor and write this down. There is good information on the internet and there is bad information on the internet. And never be afraid of the internet. If a customer is with you and they look at a product and they pull out their phone, and you're dying a million deaths, don't, don't pull out your phone. And she says to you, this king size mattress is $1,199 on the internet and you have it marked for $1,299. You're too high. Now, you could just run with your tail between your legs to your manager and say, will we price match this? Or you could do one other thing. And that is put it in the cart and see what the true delivery charges are. If it's free delivery, you do need to run to your manager and get approval to price. But you'd be shocked how many times it's more money by the time they get all the things added in there and you're already cheaper. And so this is my battle cry to you today. Don't be afraid of the internet. 100% embrace it. Go there with your customer, be curious, and you will find that it's really not that scary of a place. It's almost like, Darlene, I don't know if this happened to you when you were little, but it happened to me. I would hear a noise and I'd be alone trying to go to bed in my bedroom and it was in the closet 
And I'd be afraid to open the door. And then sooner or later, I'd open the door and there was nothing in the closet. And I think that's the way the internet is for some salespeople. It's like open, open hit. It, it's not a scary place. As a matter of fact, you as a sales pro should be on the internet every day executing the same exact behaviors as your customer. And that's true. And Darlene, I would say this too, and you tell me, um, that's true B2B or B2C, right? 1,000%. Um, and you also have to, and even if it's price, right? Even if it's apples to apples, same exact mantras, whatever it may be. Also, you have to know what you're offering to. It's not just in that mattress. You mentioned a couple of things, customer service, return policy, client satisfaction, if something goes wrong. There's so many different facets that are not taken into account if you just buy something over the internet. And I think we've all been burned by going for that lower price for something. And then you're like, ah, crap, I have nobody to talk to. Good luck. It says free returns. You can't even get them back, right? You know? So I think really, but being aware of what those offers are, what that experience looks like to really empower your, you, your salespeople and your customer to say, yes, I saw that. But did you know you would have to blah, blah, blah this way? You're ahead of the game. You're already there. Or even with the internet, if there is something negative, really, again, back to knowing your product. Was it one-off negative review or was there something that the manufacturer had changed to make it better? Oh, yes, that was two years ago. But since then, they improved this. I think instead of just kind of, like I said, like, you know, kind of closing your eyes, putting your head under the covers to really addressing those things, you come across more credible and the client starts to build that trust, which is your first point of sale. You have to build that trust before something is ever bought. That was so good, Darlene. And this trust is so critically linked to confidence. You you can't sell with confidence if you don't trust yourself. It's the first sale you make. You wake up in the morning and you see a person who has done the work in the mirror. You see a person who has put in the hours and is a professional. And when you see that person back in the mirror, you know that you can sell with confidence. And if you don't, you need to start to do the work. And it doesn't, Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, you, you just have to start doing the work. I remember. Darlene, I was just married. I was just out of school and I was, didn't make pro football. So I had to learn how to sell furniture in my mind. And I just came home and I just told my wife, I said, this is too much. It's like, it's too complicated. There's too many things I have to learn. I'll, I'll never forget what she said. Just concentrate on one thing at a time and just try. Maybe you could bring home one catalog a night and after you eat your dinner, you can kind of go through that catalog and get more comfortable with it. And back then they let you do that. They won't let you do it now in a store. So please, store owners, don't call me and yell at me for telling the retail salespeople to steal the catalogs out of the store. <laughs> Just I asked permission, by the way, and I did bring them back. And uh, the idea is this. Whether it's after your dinner or it's in the store, there's usually enough time in between customers to do some real significant work, even if it's just 10-minute little increments of studying something. If if you consistently try to get better, if you consistently uh, do a 10-minute block of time on uh, the internet, behaving like a customer behaves and you become more expert, One of the worst feelings in the world as a salesperson is for your customer. And you alluded to this earlier. And Darlene, I think it's so important. Um, The worst feeling in the world as a salesperson is if your prospect knows more about something than you do. 
And in the beginning of your career, it's going to happen. All you can do is pedal as fast as you can. And before you know it, you will be an expert, but you have to sell with confidence before you're an expert or you're never going to get to be the expert. And that's where it gets dicey. And Darlene, what would you say to a younger salesperson who doesn't have the years and years of experience, but they're a good person, they want to be good at sales, they, they've got the right mindset, they want to do the right thing for the customer. How do you help them sell with confidence? So I think the first thing is to really be true to yourself and know what your strengths are. Every single person brings their own unique gifts to the table. Um, I have a great career in sales, but if my, you know, my method or my personality wouldn't suit your personality, just listening to people and learning is great, but you have to glean and take away what resonates with you and what you can implement naturally. Because if, you know, Pete's way, if, you know, I'm sure he's an amazing salesperson, but if you're going to try to be just like Pete and it comes across inauthentic, Again, your client's going to know, your customer's going to know. Um, but pulling those things and and just putting them into your personality and see what becomes natural to you. I cannot stress enough role-playing. Like, mm-hmm. sell to your friends, sell to your wife, sell to your brother. <clears throat> it, it's, it feels awkward. It feels stupid in the beginning. But the more you say it, the more natural it will become. That is just a law of nature. You keep repeating it and then it's like second nature. So this way, when you're in front of your clients or do it with your teammates and stuff, um, you know, what are your frequently held objections over things? Um, you know, pinpoint where the pain points are. What is their issues with financing? And role play amongst each other when it is lower times. This way you all become very, like, it becomes more fluid more natural. And then the next person that walks in, you've already had that conversation 12 times. This is not the first time you're saying it. That is such great advice. Um, It's unbelievable because I was just talking to my wife and one of the things that I, we were talking about a salesperson and I said, you know what? It, let's We'll just make this up. You got to fail 30 or 40 times to get good at a certain aspect of selling. Well, my crazy way of thinking is I want to fail fast. I want to fail hard and I want to get as good as fast as I can. So if I got to fail 30 or 40 times, let's hurry up and get them done. That's just, and I, and I think you said it in a very different way, but I loved what you said, Darlene. It feels awkward and it feels stupid, but role playing is so important. It is a great way to be efficient learning a selling skill. Your mind actually doesn't know. Once you get past the first initial awkwardness and a little bit of second guessing that goes on with that, if you embrace role playing and you play a little game in your head and you pretend like it's real, it will be real. And you will get those reps in and you will get better and you will gain, uh, you will gain confidence and you will actually gain skill. And the most beautiful part about what Darlene said is it won't cost you any money. It costs you money in front of a real prospect. In front of your teammates, it just causes you a little bit of embarrassment. I'd rather be embarrassed than lose money just me. Yeah. Having your stumble through in front of somebody that it doesn't matter. They're not actually buying. Another point that I just wanted to make, and I'm, I hope I'm not deviating, is when some, when a client or a customer walks in the store and you know, how many times did we say we're just looking, we're not here to buy, that type of thing. I say it all the time because I don't want somebody breathing down my neck. Mm. Don't just walk away. 
build a rapport, build, start building that relationship. Don't talk to them about what's on sale or whatever if they're just looking. Chat about what car they pulled up in or the day or what's, you know, oh, it was just Memorial Day. What were your plans? Build some kind of rapport. So this way, if they are looking, they'll come back to you because they're ready. They're going to look for you in the store because they already have that connection with you. So I think that is important too. I can't tell you how many people who have just said, oh, I'm not here for anything today. I'm just looking, would find me and say, when you're ready, come over here. I need your help. I, I, such a good point. When, when we are in a store and we are selling, we need to understand that it's almost an automatic response. The just looking and sometimes the Heisman, uh, you know, they really want you away from them. Um, I was in a competitive situation at the beginning of my career where stores, uh, Customers would park in between our two stores. Kronheim's Furniture, the store that I worked at on one side and Furniture Land on the other. And they park right in between and they'd go to both stores before they bought. And when they were really defensive, like I would say, hey, welcome to Kronheim's. My name's Pete. Make yourself at home. And if they were really vicious about the just looking, I would just say, this isn't Furniture Land. Make yourself at home. We're really glad you're here. And we know that when you're ready, uh, we'll check back with you. We know for a fact that anybody that goes to Furniture Land and comes to Kronheim's, they love our store because we have better quality and we have lower prices both. It's it's insane. And we're actually nicer over here. And we pr- I promise you, I won't follow you around like they do over there because I knew what they did. And all of us knew. I mean, there was 12 people on our sales floor and we knew how they behaved over there. And we did the opposite and we dominated. I mean, we literally did uh, one and a half times as much business as they did. Um, and, and we had fun doing it. So have fun with your customers, connect, and don't let that initial brush off scare you away uh, and let them know that you'll check back with them. And maybe you kind of just give them some general directions. You know, the, the recliners are over here. The bedrooms are over here. I'll check back with you. Make yourself at home. And the feeling that you should give your customer when they come into your store is the same feeling when people come to your house. What happens when someone comes into your house? You open the door, you invite them in, you offer them something to drink, something to eat. You're glad they're there. That should be the feeling, uh, when they come into your store. This is our guest. You know, this, this isn't like a piece of meat that we're going to sink our teeth into and suck the blood out of them because that's what they feel. They worry that that's what's going to happen. And. When they find out that you're a nice human being, they're going to start to open up and they're going to start talking about what their real needs are. But it's a defense mechanism that every human being has in almost every uh, sales situation. And we should never let that hurt our confidence in sales. We should expect it to happen and connect into them in an authentic way. Maybe they they have a, a new haircut. Maybe they have a new pair of shoes on. Something that's authentic that we can compliment them on. Uh, that's real, not hokey. Yeah. Real. And, uh, you know, really connecting deeply, I think is one of the, the keys to confidence. Um, but it takes confidence to go deeper than the, than the average salesperson. And whether we look at a retail sale or we look at a B2B sale, Darlene, our biggest sales of our life, they were all complicated sales. Uh, they all started off with the other person pushing away, sometimes for years at a time. And uh, then things just, they happened and things fell into place. But there's a legitimate place for persistence in sales. And not just being persistent 
in a pesty way, being persistent in a servant, I am being of service attitude. What say you, Darlene? I see the light bulbs going off. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And like I said, I do always try to operate with empathy. One of the things, and I, and you'll probably have to repeat the question because one of the things that you had mentioned was, um, like the competition and, um, so many people get intimidated by competition or and they, they badmouth them or whatever it may be. But knowing your competition, knowing where your strengths are, um, and really, um, being able to speak about the strengths of your store, your customer service, and all of those things outshines. I, I have, especially like with, um, B2B right now. And I've done this in retail too. I have clients saying, well, what about this company? Go check them out. But this is like your, if you want the best, this is what we have to offer. There's a million different other companies, especially furniture, right? Furniture and mattresses. There is a million different ones. And somebody may come in with the latest trends. Oh, I only want this mattress and your store doesn't have it. So be knowledgeable about what people are looking for. Know where they can get it, but say, you know what? We don't carry it here, but this one is not only comparable, it's even better because X, Y, Z. Why don't you check it out? But then I can give you a store that does carry the one that you're looking for. That gains trust again, where they may not, they may have just turned around and walked out if you said you didn't carry it. But if you're giving them an offer of here, check this out. But if it's if you really have your heart set on this mattress, here's where to go. They will remember you. They will keep you in mind. And chances are, if they don't like that mattress when they get to the store, they're coming right back to you. Yeah. In my retail career, I built so many great relationships. Um, when I couldn't find the item in my store, despite my best efforts, and I had pretty much exhausted that. Um, and I figured out exactly what they needed and recommended a place for them to get it. Um, I found that they came back to me. They asked for me. Sometimes it was a year later, darling. Sometimes it was two years later. And I'm like scratching my head and saying, like, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, we were looking for blah, blah, blah. You didn't have it, but you knew exactly where. So... You get credit, right, for being a professional, for knowing your competitors, for understanding. And the only way you can know your competitors is to shop your competitors. So this goes yeah. back to building your career brick by brick by brick. You have to be knowledgeable and it doesn't all happen at one time. But if you're persistent and you build it brick by brick, you will find uh, that that you will have a knowledge base that very few people have. It, it happens relatively quickly. It doesn't have to take a long time. But this, I'm glad that Darlene chose to unpack this thing about the competition because earlier I was talking about knowing your products, knowing your policies and procedures, knowing your financing, knowing your inventory. That's all important, but to Darlene's point, it's equally as important for you to know those of your competitors and know where those gaps and services are, where you shine and where you have an advantage. If the price is tied or close and you have extra policies, uh, protections, comfort protections, price protections, or you have the product in stock and they don't. And putting a positive spin on it. Like I have so many, you know, I've had so many clients over the years just say like, well, what about this company? What do you think about them? And it's a direct competitor. And I always say, you, you don't want to know. You're not asking somebody who's objective, right? Like you're asking the wrong person. But what I can tell you, what we do, what they, you know, that they may not offer and highlight those things, those differentiators that you just mentioned of either price or customer service. like. Keep bringing it back to you as opposed to bashing the comp competition. Well, they don't have this. They don't have that. It's like, this is what we do, which I know we do better than anybody out there. Because again, that 
nobody, people ask, but they don't want to hear negative things. And then they think, oh, this is just a salesperson telling me negative things. So by spinning it onto what you can do and what you could provide and all of those different things really, again, starts to build that trust. You know, one of the hardest things for me to learn as a salesperson, Darlene, was to utter these words. There are very fine company, even though they're they're a very fine company, but let me just point out a couple of differences that may or may not be important to you. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. you're, you know, you're all, you're walking away from it, right? Yeah. And, but then you lay it out very methodically. That can make you millions of dollars in commissions over a 20, 30, 40 year um, career. One of the other things that, you know, you reminded me of, uh, Darlene, and I would be, not doing my job for my sales uh, pros on the retail floor. When you get that phone call and it's a product that you don't handle, specifically mattresses, mm-hmm. do you carry blah, 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 blah model? The answer isn't yes or no. The, the question, there's a question. You answer, you, you ask another question and the other question is, that's a great mattress. What do you like the best about it? Yeah. And get them talking about that. Because here's the funny thing about the mattress business, and it's true in many businesses. Um, if they like the fact that a Serta Perfect Sleeper, for instance, has a posturized center, well, Eclipse has a posturized center mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And you carry Eclipse, but you don't carry Serta. And now you can have them come in and you, they can feel good about it. You can feel good about it. And finding out more information is almost always a recipe for success. Quick and easy no's are almost always a disaster for you as a salesperson. Always seek to gain more information, um, whether it's in person or especially on the phone, because if you say, no, I don't carry that brand, it's click and it's over. Ask them what, that's a great brand. What do you like about that brand? Those open-ended questions mm -hmm. and that active listening, because you don't want to take somebody looking for something with that example that you just said, and then talk about a mattress that has none of the qualities, right? So you have to actively listen and ask those open-ended questions and lead them to a good solution for them. But if you're just trying to say, no, you know what? What do you like about it? The center, whatever. Oh, well, I have this and it has nothing. That's just, they're like, this person's not listening to me. They're just looking to make a sale. Yep, 100%. And so, and here's the deal on that one, ladies and gentlemen. So in a certain percentage, and it's probably around 20 25% of the time, when you don't have it, you can get them to come in and you can actually make the sale. And the rest of the time, you're going to lose it. But at least you lose it after you've gained more information and you've tried everything that you can try. Um, so listen, it is halftime. So for those of you that have your book, Sell a Million, I'm going to take one minute and read something that was written many years ago, but it's truer today than it was when I wrote it. Chapter 77, Start a Podcast. Start a podcast featuring answers to the most commonly asked questions that your customers ask you. By the way, Darlene said, that's one of the things you should role play. And she's 100% right. You can interview people or do a topic-based podcast. Remember the worst sin in marketing? That's right. Being born. Podcasts allow the customers to hear your voice or even see you if it's a video podcast. How about a podcast with a local designer? Maybe a podcast uh, with one of your sales reps or with one of your higher volume lines. Don't like your voice? Get over it. No one likes their own voice. There are famous broadcasters who have made millions and millions of dollars. They hate their voice. It's just something in human beings. I don't know what it is. I could write an entire book on podcasts, but that is beyond the scope of this book. 
I can tell you one of the best things I have ever done in my business is start my own podcast. Thank you to Paul Castain for pushing me and literally pushing me over the the cliff when it came time to launch because I put this off it. Darlene, you'll appreciate this. And this ties into coaching as well, which I want to get into a little bit. Um, I put it off. I put it off. I did all the steps up to the place of launch. And then I started giving every excuse in the book, right? And then finally, he said, you've really uh, seemed to like enjoyed our time together, Pete. I said, oh, I absolutely have, Paul. I've learned so much. He goes, this is the last time we'll ever speak unless you launch that podcast. So thank you, Paul. <laughs> thank you, Paul. You don't need a bunch of listeners, just a few, few every month who become good customers of your store. There's lots of great free information out there. I started off with Pat Flynn's free information. I ended up joining Podcasters Paradise by John Lee Loomis. This was one of the single smartest things I could have ever done. So a big thank you to John Lee Dumas. And that is a conclusion of my quick little chapter. But I have to say something. I asked Chris, my producer, to come on. The best single decision I've ever made in my business career is when I started my podcast again, I did it. I became overwhelmed after 33 episodes. I stopped doing it for years. And then when I started doing it again, I decided there's no way I'm going through editing. I'm not going through this. I'm not doing, I don't have 20 or 30 hours a week to spend learning about this stuff and doing it. So basically, I hired this rock star here, Chris Stone, and Chris does everything. I literally show up and I, I show up and I ask questions. I have great conversations with super smart people like you, Darlene, and I have fun and my customers get a lot of benefit from it. And it's one hour out of my week instead of 20 or 30 like it used to be. What say you, Darlene and Chris? Chris, you want? I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer it and then I'll, I'll roll it back and you, you two can you know, go back and, and do the interview. Um, <clears throat> Pete, you mentioned, thank you for, for saying that, by the way, Pete. Uh, you mentioned um, in your chapter uh, that I noticed that, and a lot of people do this when they get their mindset and when they get stuck on doing a podcast. And it's not just necessarily about the sound of their voice, but they don't, they think they have to do what everyone else is doing. They have to do a show where they're interviewing someone right? and it has to be people and they have to just, and so they have all this trouble about what they're going to do. What a lot of people have been successful at when they do podcasts is they have a podcast and the people that they bring on their show are people that they want to do business with. It's a networking uh, thing. And that's why you see a lot of people trying to be guests on shows because it's a way for them to meet other people. Right. Sure. But if you have your own podcast and you want to do business with Pete Primo, right, you invite Pete Primo to be on your podcast. And then all of a sudden there's energy and there's, you know, conversations. Now you don't always get the business, but that is a sale, right? Qualified, disqualified. It still is a sale. Sure. And so I think in a lot of ways, people, if you think about it like that, it doesn't have to be the, you know, insert person X show. It can be, hey, I'm going to have a show where we're talking about something interesting, but these are people I want to do business with. And that's how you can technically monetize right out of the box is because you can do business with someone that you meet and have a conversation with and promote them on your show. So thank you. Thank you again, Pete. And I'll, I'll roll it back to you, Darlene, and let the, let the true rock stars take it from here. Thank you, Chris. What say you, Darlene? I saw those wheels going. Yeah. Well, um, when you were saying like people hate their voice. Yes, that's me. Um, I hate we, listening to we my, all do. We, we all do. It's, it's universal. It is. So, you know, so it's so crazy. So that was stopping me from doing a lot of these interviews and, and different things like that. And then everybody's like, you have to do video. You have to do video. And I hated recording myself. So I'm like, I would much rather have a conversation and talk that I'm good at, right? That I can, I can talk to anybody. 
So I'm like, as long as I drag somebody else in, that's what gives me the confidence. Because now it turned into a conversation versus me just kind of talking and, and different things like that. So while I don't have my own podcast, I do a couple of little interviews and and different things like that. But I'm also addicted to going on other people's podcasts because not just from what I can share, but I learned so much from the host and their audience and and it excites me and it just gives me a little bit different. Like even just talking to you today, it took me back into my retail days and and stuff like that. And it gets your mind working in different ways than the same old, same old. So I think it's a fantastic tool and bringing value to people, even if they're never going to buy from you is... The, I I really enjoy that. I think it's just sowing seeds and it's helping others. And um, you know, we've both been young salespeople before, and me not so much anymore. But you know, um, it's nice to hear different perspectives too, and to really glean from other people what suits you and where you can learn. So I have a question for you. Now that you're in the middle of your career, perhaps, what would you say to a younger Darlene? What would your advice be to her? Oh, wow. It's probably the same advice that I give myself all the time. Like, I am a high achiever and I put more pressure on myself than any boss any anybody in the world has ever done. I wish I could say being older that I've gotten better at it, but I'm trying to get myself a little bit more grace, set a little bit more boundaries and not take things so personally because I just like there's an excitement in the win and the achievement but there's also, I envy the people that can kind of turn it off. My wheels are always going. So, so I wish I had a little bit more of a balance, which I wasn't, you know, so driven all the time. You know, it, it's funny because my wife works with me in my business. And uh, when I try to turn it off, she turns it back on. <laughs> she tries to turn it off. Back on. It's like, we have to make rules like, is this going to be a personal dinner or is this going to be a business dinner? And then, of course, one of us will break the rule and we look at the other one and throw our hands up. But well, yeah, if my husband was on here, he would tell you like, I see a guy selling watermelons on the side of the road. And I'm like, if his sign was just a little bit bigger and if he angled it out this much, you know, you would get, or if there was a place to park, I would have bought so many more watermelons. He's like, leave the guy alone. Like, you know, so I think it's just, you know, second nature at times. You, do you want to know something? What you just said there is so big. You love your business so much that you can't turn it off. Your yeah. antenna is always up and you do notice every little thing. But that's why somebody should do business with you because you're going to give them perspectives that they could never get on their own. And to me, um, that's huge. And I made a reference to my sales coach, Paul Castain, um, at one point in my career. And I've used different coaches and masterminds. And, uh, you know, right now I belong to two masterminds and a marketing group. And I do, um, I, I hire guys like Chris Stone who are exceptionally gifted in what they do, uh, producing podcasts. And I, I have basically a, a team, uh, of people that support my efforts. And sometimes, you know, I'll get a compliment. Well, you know, this piece was written so written so well. And like, yeah, I didn't write it. I told blah, blah, blah. And they wrote it for me because they're better at writing than I am. And one of the things that I kind of wanted to kind of get to um, is when you're young and you want to sell with confidence, but you feel like you can't sell with confidence. One of the most liberating thing, things 
And, and the gentleman was like 50 years old. He, he was an old man, right? I'm 62 now. And I'm like, where did it go? I mean, I still feel like I'm young most of the time. But that was ancient to me. I mean, that was like, I'm never going to live till I'm 50. That's like really, Now they're really like old. kids, right? Those are yeah, kids. Yeah, 50s a kid, right? <laughs> so he said to me, Pete, I want you just to settle, settle down a little bit. You're so anxious to make the sale. You want to do so much so fast. He goes, you know what you really need to do? And I'm like, no, tell me. I'm like, I'm a sponge. I'm still a sponge, but I was really a sponge when I was 20, like unbelievably spongy. <laughs> oh, I knew it all at 20, but <laughs> really? No. Now I'm more of a sponge. The older you get, the I know I don't know it all. I knew it all when I was 15. When I was 20, I figured out I was pretty much a dumbass and I needed, I needed help. It and I needed to start to listen. But he said, use your resources. He goes, I'm your resource. If you don't know the answer, pull me over. I'll answer it. You know, people don't expect you as a young man to have all the answers. But I'll tell you what people don't like. People don't like people who pretend to know something they don't. And if you want to really be effective, Pete, right now, don't wait till tomorrow. Use the resources around you. You have a salesperson here with 20 years of experience, another one here with 40 years of experience. We're all here to help you. Bring us in, use your resources, and use our experience to help you make sales. And so I got really good, Darlene, at saying, you know what? I don't have the answer to that, but we are in luck. Joe over here does. And I, excuse me for a minute. I'll be right back. I'm going get, to get Joe and I'm going to bring him over here and we're going to get a good answer on this. And I would. And then uh, Joe, being the gentleman he was, would excuse himself back out of the sale. But before he left, he'd say, you know, Mrs. Jones, do you have any other questions? And if she said no, that was, write yeah. them up, young man, right? Yeah. Start so writing, Mr. Primo. Cool. That is definitely so powerful. And I think you're right when you're young, like, you know, you can get even, I, I don't know, but mainly young, but it could be at any age. You get intimidated, like you have to know it all. And especially in you know, the environment that you're talking about with mattresses and, and furniture, and there's so, so many different specs and information that it's okay to say, you know what, let me get the sheet, even if you don't have somebody there, right? Like, let me get the sheet. Let me make sure I'm giving you the right information. Like I, like I make everything a joke, right? Because I think it makes people feel comfortable. And I'll be like, okay, let me not, I could lie to you, but instead I'm going to get the right information and talk, you know, that type of thing. Um, so I think it builds your credibility that no, you don't have to know every dimension and every thread count and all of those different things. And you know, I don't know mattresses when I'm saying thread counts. I don't know what pertains to that, but to go and get that spec sheet or to go and get a trusted, um, higher up in your sales, you know, and, and really have bring in the big guns, right? And be like, you know what? They know this brand all day long. I'd rather have them speak to you about that. And it does build your credibility. And then you learn because you're going to be in those shoes after a couple of times of hearing that person, you're going to be able to speak with that confidence. So it's not a matter of having confidence or not confidence. It's building that confidence muscle and understanding every step forward is a step forward. That is, that is so good. So borrow other people's experience, borrow their knowledge. Your teammates are an invaluable resource to you. Stop treating them like they're your enemies and start treating them like a valuable resource that can help you get further on your sales journey than you could by yourself. And one of the things that is going to sound so contrary. And Darlene, you're going to have to help me out here in case I don't sell it, say it the right way. 
we're talking about this entire show, how to sell with confidence. But one of the things that you can do to build confidence in you as a human being and as a salesperson, and this is going to sound really contrarian, but I know Darlene's going to have my back and she's going to save me here, is you need, when appropriate, to be vulnerable. Really vulnerable. I mean, really real. Because you can't fake that. And when you let down your sales guard a little bit and just become a real human being to your prospect, to your customer, they're going to embrace it. They're like, oh my Lord, this dude, this dudette, they're completely different than anybody else I talked to about this. And one of the things that you can say is, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. That's part of being vulnerable, but I'm talking about even deeper things. You can be vulnerable and you can gain their confidence and you don't have to be this macho beat yourself on the chest. I know everything. I'm Mr. Joe Pro. You don't need to do that. Sometimes what you need to win a sale is to be vulnerable and to say, I don't have the answer. Save me, Darlene. I think I buried myself. No, no. I love that. I love that. I always say hungry, humble, smart, right? You want somebody who is hungry, humble, and smart enough to learn more. And I love what you said about being vulnerable. If it's your first week on the job and you said something wrong or you don't know something, or even if it's your second year on the job and the same thing, you know, saying, you know what? I think I made a mistake. Let me get those facts or this is my first week here. I'm still, I'm still drowning in all of this information. So I'm going to pull Pete in because he knows more about this than I do. Exactly what we are saying, like being vulnerable, being honest and authentic. Um, without, I think we've all dealt with salespeople that do not know what they're talking about yet. They're so cocky and arrogant. I always root for an underdog. That's just my personality. If I see someone that is really trying, even if they're not the most polished or whatever it may be, I'm I'm cheering for them. And if I can buy from them, I'd rather buy from them than somebody who is just arrogant and, you know, may have it all together, but puts off that negative energy and doesn't, you know, you don't matter to them. I think you saved me. Thank you. One last quick question. Uh, when it comes to selling with confidence, do you think that hiring a consultant or a coaching to shore up any potential um, weaknesses that you have is something that is a good thing for a salesperson to do? So... I created my company because I specifically, I saw so many really smart, amazing consultants, service-based businesses that they knew what they did. They could share what they do. And once they moved to the sales hat, so to speak, they were really just tripping over themselves. They felt like it was sleazy. They felt inauthentic and it showed and it came across. So I think. Having not everybody needs a coach, you know, there's a coach for everything out there. But I think if you really want to move the needle quickly and have someone come in and do, you know, a one on, I do one on one and I see like, what are you doing right? Not necessarily what you're doing wrong, but what could be tweaked. Most of the time, the people I'm working with have it. They just need to hear you have it. This is how you can package it. This is how you can continue with it. So I think if you want to move the needle, that is probably the best way to have that insight and that one-on-one type of deep dive. You know, lightning bolt just hit me. You know, it's all about perspective and we can never see uh, sometimes the forest for the trees. It's right in front of our nose and we can't see it. 
you as an expert consultant, Darlene, you see it so clearly. You're, you haven't been involved for the last 20 or 30 years building this business. You see exactly where they're at in a way that they can't see. And whatever it is that they pay you is invaluable because you get to give them a perspective that they could never get any other way. So Darlene, with that said, how do people get a hold of you? Sure. Well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can go to my website, dp-consults.com. There's a form to fill out. I can have a discovery call with someone. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I can have a coffee chat with you, whatever that may be. So, so that is the best way that you can reach me. That's awesome. You always get the last word. My guest always gets the last word. What do you want to say to our, uh, to our audience as we say goodbye? I just want to encourage all those salespeople out there that change your perspective. Your success is not based on whether or not you made the sale. Gauge your success on whether you made that authentic connection. The sales will come. The sales will come. I agree 100%. Anybody that watched this to the end, you have to absolutely love Darlene. Get a hold of her, reach out to her and change your perspective and increase your sales. Go out there and sell with confidence. Darlene, thank you so much. It was a pleasure, Pete. Thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.